0: Hello, everyone. We'll just uh, give it a few minutes to allow you know, the audience and attendees to log on here. All right, we'll kick it off uh, as we have a lot to cover today. So, welcome everybody to the Media Gel Podcast. I am your host Guillermo Bravo. Today, we'll be discussing how to level up up your dispensary advertising uh, with Google Ads. And I have with me here today Nick Johnson. Nick Johnson is the Director of Paid Search at Media Gel, bringing nine years of experience in paid advertising working in agency and automotive industry scaling ad campaigns nationwide. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Uh, And just an overview of MediaGel. You know, we connect brands and retailers with cannabis consumers through our ad network of mainstream publishers, mobile apps, games and TV. We integrate paid search with SEO and programmatic advertising to support uh, every step of the customer journey. Uh, to encourage e commerce sales, walk ins, and driving leads. Uh, so, Nick, you know, we've been working together for quite some time. What got you excited about joining the team and, and working in the cannabis industry?
1: Uh, well, initially with the cannabis industry, industry I had uh, attended a very early kind of conference in 2017 in, in Denver. And I'm drawing a blank on which one it is. I don't think they're even around anymore, but a it was Canacon, maybe? or It may have been Canacon. It was my first it was definitely my first experience of like, okay, this is getting legitimate. There's some, there's some real, you know, movement happening here. It's not just, you know, the kind of side hustle stuff that had been happening and seeing all of the, the kind of power behind it all was the first time I was like, okay, I, I need to get into this. Um, On top of that, you know, I've, I found out cannabis is just a great plant and I've always kind of been advocating for that and been a, been a fan of, you know, partaking as needed for my mental health and other issues. So making that switch was just something where my skill set of digital advertising and, and digital marketing got to align with, you know, something that I'm, I'm passionate and care about. So it just was a great fit. The media gel side was actually mostly you, um, yeah. just seeing your presence on LinkedIn, you know, even years ago, we started, started following you and just realizing like, okay, there's, there's some momentum here and how can I be a part of this and how can I just, you know, you know, right on your coattails and make it, make it into this great industry that we're in. It's been exciting for, for the entire ride, to be honest.
0: And happy to have you on, Nick. Like you always, you know, deliver above and beyond and, uh, you know, excited to, to share your insights and your expertise with the audience. So always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um, you know, before we dive in deep into, you know, the different Google ad strategies, you know, let's define the basics of paid search. Uh, you know, what is paid search or SEM? Yeah. Um, for SEM,
1: it's search engine marketing, marketing right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. on that aspect, it'd be anything, you know, we primarily focus on Google as does the world. So there's Bing and there's Yahoo and Go. Go. Those would all be search engine marketing platforms. Uh, the paid search portion kind of takes it a level up there. Those are all keyword based, you know, buying platforms. So then there's other platforms like Facebook or LinkedIn or just even YouTube ads, like there's a paid search component to those on top of maybe what would traditionally be just seen as social or some other aspects. So it's really just anything we can put money, advertising money behind to, to yeah. you know, grab somebody's search query and show them an answer to a question they've got. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, and actually for a follow-up for you, I deal with SEM you know constantly daily. How would you say and define the difference between SEM and then SEO, which I know is a question we get the, all yeah. the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can you summarize SEM, right? It's pa- paid advertising. Uh, you know, you can launch, launch campaigns fast and see results fairly quickly. Uh, you know, SEO is search engine optimization and it's earned media. And it's really a, it's a marathon, right? It involves building trust and, and authority with Google so that you can rank higher organically. So it's not paid advertising. Uh, you know, it's not short term. Like it, it can take you three months up to a year to see results. So um, it's a completely different strategy. Uh, You know, as far as the, the breakup of, of traffic and sales, you know, SEO will deliver, I would say more traffic in sales as a whole compared to paid search ads. Um, But you're going to have to, you're going to have to build, you know, build up to that. And it takes a long time, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a new, like a new website, a new domain name, you know it can take you more than a year and you know in dispensaries if you you know, just open your doors you don't have that time to waste right so it's right. you really want to jump to the front of the line and, and start with the paid ad campaign so that's a good counterpart then for the paid part because
1: we can you know there's timelines and some things you have to set in place and get tracking yeah. and all that set up but you know basically as, as fast as we can get through those stages with kind of client support. We can be up and running in you know a week, two weeks. That you know three weeks would be kind of a long time. So, it it really is a much quicker strategy on the on the paid search side, but it is a good counterpart to the SEO organic side for sure.
0: Yeah, and we talked about Google. Uh, like where you know, where can cannabis advertisers invest in SEO beyond Google? Yeah, um, we've had
1: success obviously on Google as the main platform. That's not one because it's the biggest platform and that's where everybody yeah. is. So if we're trying to meet people where they are, that's that's kind of where you start. Um, But two, it's just the most robust kind of forward leading the pack platform. And Bing is doing a good job as Microsoft ads now. um, And they've got, we've got a a dozen or so clients on there. It's not a, it's not a one-to-one Google. If you're running Google, we won't necessarily put you on some of those other ones, but uh, Microsoft ads have been doing a really good job for us, expanding people's kind of audiences that they can reach because it is a different pool of people who who are using Bing as their search engine. Um, on top of that, like I kind of already mentioned, we have had success doing you know, LinkedIn ads um, and Facebook ads in the past as well. Um, and currently, we've even got some shopping ads and YouTube ads going, which are still within Google, but they definitely perform on different platforms. So you know, YouTube obviously lets you shoot over to the YouTube version of, of pages and you can get in front of ads. Uh, shopping is just a different portion of the, the search results on Google, but not having a shopping ad campaign you know that you can run or having one that you can run really big difference on on what your inventory and your overall placements are so we've we've found a handful of spots we're successful
0: yeah i know on google and bing we can run thc ads uh and we do more like the ancillary um you know cannabis companies on linkedin and facebook okay. like for ourselves you know we drive leads through through linkedin uh you know drive case study downloads or ebook downloads um, they're all helpful in you know building your brand awareness and, and generating leads across those. It does two. definitely
1: depend on on yeah. where your brand falls in that in the industry spectrum. You know, are you a producer and a dispensary on the, the very client-facing side, or are you more ancillary and kind of supportive of those? Um, you know, other people doing the more on the in the ground work or on the ground work. So, you know, if we if you are a, a dispensary or a, a somebody in that very low level reaching the consumer right at the forefront. It is something where maybe Google would be your best bet if you are more of the support arm. Then yeah, LinkedIn where you can get, get those B two B connections in there, or even Bing where people who you're searching for may be on even just a a computer that's their company's computer. It lets that auto filter kind of it adds a few layers in there for us for sure.
0: Yeah, and then when using Google Ads, you know, where are ads shown? Like, like sure. where you know I I uh, create an ad for my dispensary. Like where are people going to start to see that actual ad yeah. copy? Uh, Ideally,
1: right in that top spot of the search results page. Uh, We have a pretty good way of tracking if we're in the top three and then also the top spot. And for most of our clients, we can get in the top three about 75, 80% of the time. We can get in that very top spot about 90% of the time. So we do have a really good strategy in place to get you on the top of that page above any organic search results and really just right in front of eyeballs of the users that you wanna be in front of. Uh, the other spots that we can appear besides you know, Google search results would be on like the Google Play uh, store where there's some apps that run in little banner spots or even within Gmail uh, spots, there's portions where we can be in the ads within a Gmail Um, It just depends on the client's requests and needs. Obviously, some of the tactics lead more towards driving direct conversions and transactions and some other tactics and maybe more, you know, brand awareness and just getting your name out there. Um, So it's always a little one-to-one. We try and customize our overall, you know, campaign mix and and fit for each client. It's not necessarily just a a out-of-the-box solution. It's something that we have kind of the form and structure for, but then every, all of the details get kind of worked out with the client in a good partnership.
0: Yeah, and then also in the Google Maps app or the the actual mobile mobile app or just google.com slash maps, you know, show up in the local business listings. And I know that, uh, you know, for some of the CBD brands, you can actually get them showing up in the shopping tab, right? Yeah. We have had success doing shopping
1: ads for CBD brands and then like ancillary um, products that maybe aren't, aren't THC infused or don't have any THC relevance. Maybe they're the, the pieces that you use to consume those, those goods, right? So some of that stuff can also be uh, worked into shopping ads. The maps portion is a huge uh, benefit for us. If you have a good Google My Business profile built out. We can connect to that from the Google ads platform uh, and it does a lot of really powerful stuff like letting a user on their phone, click directly on the ad to call you and say, Hey, where are you? Or I'm coming in. Are you guys still open? It also has a map fe- feature to, so if you've already made your order and you're trying to you know, drive in, or you want to drive in and place an or you can just click maps right on our ad and then it'll revert the user from our ad straight to their, you know, phones map tool or app or whatever it may be and you know just send them right to your place so it's always very very directive and very quick actions
0: yeah and I hear this all the time you know you can't advertise cannabis on Google Um, Mm -hmm. can you clear the air on the subject like you know can you run Google ads for cannabis dispensaries to promote you know the sale of of THC products yes you can Um, and it's really it's kind of based
1: on how Google defines and uh you know, limits or restricts kind of how they view the, the regulated drug industry. They used to have an older um, setting that would just say fully out, hey, it's a recreational drug, you can't run an ad to it, whatever it may be. Um, but currently, there's a new setup that we've seen in the last handful of months where they've shifted that to be a dangerous products warning. And so what we're seeing is that if we, it's really more about the story we're telling with our ad and our landing page. So if we come across as, a helpful, resourceful tool and an accessory for people in their lives that just need to, to find a solution for what they're looking for. We can get that ad live almost every time. There are times where we want to try and say some things that maybe make it sound more like it is just to get you high or just to impair your your mood. Those type of uh, of content context uh, that we would put an ad. Google doesn't like that. They don't want it to be a a party recreational thing. It is. It does need to be kind of viewed as a little more above the board you're doing this from a professional business standpoint um, but that's something that we know of and we, we walk that line so we've we come up with ways to write copy that that plays within their rules and we, we we obviously understand that but also you want the copy to be unique and register for each man you know for each client and to be, Indicative of what makes them unique, right? How if I'm an, a user and I'm reading your ad and it's just very bland and dry, I'm not going to click that because I'm going to assume then that your your brand and your your product is kind of bland and dry. So we need to make sure it's infused with enough personality that you get the client's persona across and you get to educate people about who they are. Um, it just can't be so into it that you're basically just saying, "Hey, come buy the highest potency THC products and and go, you know, hang out on the beach." It's got to be a little more. Uh, nuanced than that, but they're definitely opening up our options and it's slowly kind of expanding into what's available there.
0: Yeah, Miranda so. has a question here. How do you get around Google not allowing advertising on marijuana keywords? Yes. So, the, the
1: interesting part of the way Google is set up, and again, it kind of goes to that search engine marketing where it's all keyword based. So what the originating trigger is for a search engine marketing campaign is the keyword query in Google. You go to Google, you type in, you know, where can I buy marijuana or where's a dispensary near me, whatever you may type. Google doesn't restrict anything on that side. You know, it's very much trying to be user friendly and give the user whatever results they may want. It, depending on what you search, they may give you a warning and say, hey, be careful what you're clicking on or you know, use common sense to kind of decipher the results here. But from an organic side, they don't worry about what the user is searching for. So we can actually run ads to catch any of those keywords. Uh, the difference in where the line really gets drawn is we can't reciprocate or we can't repeat those keywords often in the in the actual ad copy. So if you're saying, where's the closest place to buy marijuana? My ad copy can't say, hey, You can buy marijuana down the street, but we can say something like, hey, we're the best shop in your area. Come in and see us. And so you kind of are answering the question without (laughs) using the explicit terms. And that's how we get around that. Got it. Got it.
0: And as far Um, as, you know, I guess, you you, go ahead. Sorry, Nick. I was
1: was just kind of curious on, um, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Say how we manage state by state advertising compliance really would be would be the next thing in there is is the one area where it does get a little curious. Is Google is a nationwide platform and really a global platform? So with the statewide restrictions, I'm just wondering how how you see on the non Google side. How do you how do you walk that line of making sure all of our ads and our our clients are compliant with everything?
0: Yeah, we have a full compliance team in house. Uh, you know that we that keeps up with all the regulations on a state. You know, city or province, you know, if we're doing ads in Canada. Um, so we've, you know, we've done our, our own internal research. We have our own kind of like best practices, our own, our own uh, guide. Um, so then the second part would be, you know, we run these ads by our clients first, our partners, right? Um, so these will be shared with you before anything is published. And then, you know, a third kind of third level of compliance and just validating everything is, within the guidelines, you know, you can always use your, your lawyer uh, or attorney to, to ensure that it's within the, the lines of um, the state. And I know recently we're looking at, I believe it was Maine uh, Mm -hmm. where they don't actually allow like programmatic advertising or any display advertising. Mm -hmm. Um, But they do, you know, one thing to keep in mind is like, there's no way that a, a state cannot regulate SEO ever because it's organic, you know, it's, building trust and authority with Google and it's organic results. You're not paying for anything. So there's no way to regulate that. Right. So SEO is always a, for sure um, advertising channel that you can stay with, you know, that'll stay within the compliance of, of each region. And then, you know, when, you know, setting up a campaign. You know, like what research, auditing, and tools do you use when developing a paid strategy, and, and what's that process look like?
1: Yeah, um, it's quite a an intensive process. It um, it always is. Even outside of this industry, it's it's something where we spend days diving into a client's site and looking at their social profiles or their online presence from you know where they are currently. What what are they? How are they coming across on the internet? And what are what are people looking for them for, right? Like, why are the people searching out that client? Um, traditionally, outside of cannabis, there's a few Google tools that'll let you just use like a keyword planner and kind of some um, volume estimates. Okay, hey, here's a keyword grouping I wanna I want to look into. How many clicks and how many impressions can we get on that? Um, because of the, the gray area that Google has here, they do block some of that stuff in-house as, as to not make it a way to, to make it maybe two-volumous of, of something in there. Uh, but we have other third-party tools. We use uh, SEMrush regularly. We've got stuff like SpyFu that we have access to. The really big difference here is um, having the, the keyword planner from Google kick off your search is kind of the half of the work, right? It really just sets you off in the right direction. The difference here is we kind of do a little more hunting and pecking first before we determine, like, okay, these are the really solid Uh, veins of thought that we need to follow. So it takes a little bit more discovery time and a little bit more forecasting and and kind of figuring out, okay, if, if these are the terms that'll work, how can we capture them appropriately how can we then spin the ad copy to resonate with that term so it makes sense uh because you know there's 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 putting your ad out there in front of an impression and catching that keyword but then there's doing it in a way that actually makes somebody want to click it if all if the goal is just to count up impressions and get your ad all over the internet we could do that really easily um, without much thought, or effort, really. The, the goal is, though, to somehow make that that tiny little blurb on the screen engageable and clickable. And so that's where all the research and processing comes in. What are the terms? What are the differentiators of that client? What makes them, you know, unique um, on both sides of it? Why does the client think they're unique? And then why do why do their users think they're unique? <laughs> Sometimes those, most of the time, those don't always match, right? So what's really going to be resonating with somebody to, to get in there and click? Um, most of our data is also we're in a good spot at media gel we have all this historical data we have years of, of client data that we've seen what keywords perform what doesn't what drives revenue um, if we're looking for brand awareness what what does that better or worse and so we have all that internal data as well um, and so the combination of all that really sets us off in a good spot and when we launch these campaigns we typically get some pretty early successes that we're quickly optimizing against
0: yeah and we do have a question here from Miranda and that's, um, you know, regarding the shopping and shopping ads, if the dispensary menu is on Leafly or iHeartJane, how do we use that in the to feed in our ads? And the question, I mean, the answer to the question is you can't, not for, Th, not for THC products. You can't run uh, shopping ads for THC products. You can do that for CBD products only. Yeah, it's um, CBD and any
1: ancillary accessories or anything else like that um there's a couple tools we use to to kind of mask and clean up some of that product data you know so we again it's kind of the same with the terms we can't say an ad copy there's certain terms we don't want showing in the the shopping ad you know copy your product you know description or whatever it might be and so we have a couple tools where we do mask those but shopify being the core um you know i guess shopping tool is kind of the main component there but yes if you have a vaporizer product you can do that we've got ads currently for vaporizers
0: got it and we have a question here from james um james nader when thinking about landing pages how do you fix uh circumventing systems suspensions and policy flags
1: um from a landing page perspective we don't get a ton of those we do get a few circumventing systems um flags we haven't gotten any Um, suspension issues and in a long time now. It it kind of maybe flagged itself every once in a while earlier on when we were not quite as honed in on what we could and couldn't say. We may tiptoe over a line unknowingly and get a little warning or two. Um, We don't get a ton of the circumventing system stuff anymore. When we do have those issues, um, we've got kind of a standard operating procedure we follow where we walk through, we review everything from the URL. You know, does it have a terminate? Does it have anything in there? Um, where are we sending the, the user post our landing page? Because a lot of times that that click off the page is what's grabbing you. They're figuring out, hey, you're not, this isn't your final destination. So where are they going after that? Um, but really there hasn't been a ton of that anymore. Most of it falls onto the ad level where they just come after the ad copy and say, hey, it seems like maybe you're, you're pushing something that we're not overly comfortable with. Um, and so here's a, a warning uh, where they, they'll put that dangerous products warning up there. And again, those aren't, As hard and maybe scary as Google wants them to seem, they do come across that way. Definitely. You get a few of those and you're like, oh man, this is going to get bad. But really what it is, as you look into it, is it's just Google wanting to educate you and say, hey, you, you can't say that. We don't think you're, you know, we, they don't just, go into suspension mode they do give you chances to correct and fix you can appeal things you can re-edit the ad and resubmit it they aren't really trying to squash you out of their network they're just trying to make sure what you're showing is in within their guidelines so it's really just a matter of reworking probably some of your phrasing and verbiage
0: great great uh then before we talk about you know launching campaigns you know it's we always have to define KPIs, right? Key performance yep. indicators, you know, what KPIs are the most important before launching a Google Ads campaign for a dispensary or a delivery service? Um,
1: well, I think it would, for a dispensary and delivery, it's probably gonna be return on ad spend. Uh, we call that ROAS, so it's just ROAS. It's, you know, if you spend thousand dollars and we drove 5,000 in, in revenue, you get a $5 ROAS. Um, it's a fairly straightforward calculation. We've had really good success and our team at MediaGel is really good at the tracking and conversion pixels and all that uh, work. So my job has always been fairly easy to optimize against because I know we've got securely hooked up uh, data and I can follow a revenue transaction or whatever it may be past that. um, Cost per acquisition or transaction, depending on how people would define it, but basically how much does it cost to make a a purchase happen? Uh, And basically you're taking your cost per click and if it's a $2 cost per click, maybe every one in five people end up purchasing. So you've got a $10 cost per transaction if you're kind of just working some averages. Um, The rest of them are a little more upper funnel maybe or or more Google ads platform based. So your number of conversions or your number of clicks, uh, impressions is always a really good one. It's a good indicator of if the search term is having any traction and can you maybe break out one term into you know, variants or longer tail versions of it. Um, conversion rates also up there, as well as click-through rate. Those show us people's engagement rate. Um, the spend and, and the impressions are great, but if they're not clicking and converting, then really are we in the right spot? Are we in the right spot at the right time? So those just making sure that what we're showing is, is accurate and for the right person or the right user um past that we do a few other odd you know not odd ones but maybe smaller um frequency ones that aren't as common like app downloads or user acquisition if people are just wanting to get traffic onto a site for a new brand they just want to see new user accumulation so we've got ways where we can set up the audiences within google ads to you know if you've been on this client site before we can block you from seeing an ad because we don't want to worry about serving an ad to an existing user. We just want that new user. So we have ways to kind of do some user acquisition stuff as well. That's kind of fun.
0: Great. And then how would the KPIs be different for a brand versus a retailer?
1: Um,
0: I think the biggest difference would
1: be most of the brands, at least from our experience, most of the brands don't have a, a direct purchase path on their site or a way for a, a user to, to find them, discover them as a brand, and then make a purchase. There's always that extra step of needing to find the dispensary or the store partner who's selling the brand's product. And so for a brand, the, the metrics typically are more higher level. They're more upper upper funnel stuff like how can we get your brand awareness and educational out there, educational kind of information out there? So maybe the copy on the landing page is a lot longer and more informative because you realize that's all we're going to get is kind of a chance to sh- tell you who we are. We're not worried about popping you over to uh, a conversion right away. So that's just going to be things like impressions, clicks, click through rate and in your cost per click, just keeping all those in line.
0: Oh, great. Great. And then uh, Alan had a question. You know, are you able to geotarget? And, you know, that's something that we should uh, we should chat more about is like, what are the targeting capabilities for Google ads, Google ads campaigns? Yeah, we can definitely geotarget. And it's
1: um, not only can we, but you, you definitely should. I mean, the, the industry is big enough that if you just kind of turn something on for the United States as a whole, it would be you know, a, a very big spend and it wouldn't probably produce many results because everybody's looking for this stuff, right? Everybody is out there Googling it and trying to figure out, can I get access to it? If I can get access to it, how do I get access to it? Um, so putting a radius or a geo target on things is, is key. We can do that really however the client likes to do it. The most popular one for us for being, you know, more dispensary focused than other things is going to be a radius targeting where you just take your address of your dispensary and we drop maybe a 10 to 15 mile radius around it. We have some clients who like doing smaller ones and some like doing bigger. It kind of depends on what, you know, if you're in a big metro and you're in a city, maybe you only need a a few miles, right? Because you're in a core, a city core. If you're more rural, we can go 25, 30 miles because those people are willing to drive. Um, I've got one client who has one about 180-mile radius that I argued very hard against, and it does very well. So we're not always right either. Sometimes we have to just kind of listen to the client and you know trust that their data for their transactions is, is accurate. Um, and so there's just always nuance there, but it's definitely something you have to look into. Um, and then they, they let you add in other bigger factors. If you wanted to do like a whole TV DMA or something like that, you could target that to match. Obviously, it still is a paid search uh, component, but if you were running... Uh, A secondary or a partner programmatic campaign or over the top campaign in a certain area, we can match those similar targeting strategies with zip codes or DMAs or whatever it might be. Um, So really, however you'd like to to do it, you can even draw custom you know circles around stuff.
0: So awesome, awesome. In regards to the keyword groups, like what should you consider for a a cannabis retailer?
1: Um, For a retailer, it probably mostly non brand stuff. Um, There's a there's a few ways you can cut it. Uh, The non brand would be just kind of industry terms. So, you know, best joints or the best bud or highest, you know, THC potency products or people looking for terpenes, whatever it might be. You get in there with the the terminology that's going to indicate that you're you're definitely a user of cannabis, um, but you don't need to have the brand terms in there yet, like your own brand loyalty stuff. There's also local components that are really successful where we can tie in a city or a borough's kind of neighborhood name and then put in like the best, you know, best weed in that area or whatever it might be. And those combo terms do really well for us. Um, And then we always do run maybe 25 or 30% at most on a brand campaign or brand terms. Uh, One, it helps Google optimize and figure out, hey, who are you? What are you trying to do? It gives you that authority typically over your own domain as well. So that if we are bidding on a brand term, you hopefully can win that uh, that bid so that nobody sits above you on your own term, which is something to kind of play defense with. Um, But then also there's competitor terms that we do a ton of, which is the opposite. Right. So if you're client X and you want to target client Y, we'll just hit all their keywords up and let you attempt to sit on top of their organic research so, or organic search results.
0: No, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Great, And just adding a few of my favorite of the non-brand is yeah. kind of the basics of cannabis store, oh, yeah. you know, just dispensary near me, buy weed online, pot shop. Like these are all great keywords and synonyms of the same thing. And they, yep. they all have a lot of search volume.
1: They do. And cannabis store is actually a unique one that Google has started to put some I guess some weight behind. So if you're a Google, my business profile, you can select cannabis store now as like your, your yeah. vertical or whatever. So the cannabis store one does have a lot of good traction there and it's very approved across you know the board in Google's eyes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, competitors, you can bid on competitor's names, right? Yeah. So if you're looking to target ABC dispensary, you can bid on the actual keyword and go after yeah. their, their, um, their searches and what about like delivery or um like delivery services like what uh what would you recommend there so there's a couple ways of doing that and i think the most
1: successful way is is one you have to realize if you're a delivery service you still are selling the same products as the dispensary so if somebody was searching for a dispensary in some fashion whether that's explicitly as a competitor or whatever adding that term to a delivery campaign is not a bad idea because in theory, that person just wants to purchase what you're selling. So if you can deliver it to them on top of that, they they may not be so brand loyal. They care. They may just jump ship right there. So actually adding some dispensary terms into delivery is great, but also then making a separate campaign that's all delivery specific is huge Um, because people will look up like, how can I get delivery to me? Where can I get delivery to? And so one the keywords are very specific to the delivery aspect of it um, anything from where and how to like timing timing is a big one what's the fastest how long does it take those type of longer terms um, and then you couple those again with the competitors. so there's tons of, of delivery companies in Canada, in California right now with all the frequent li- or all the recent licenses in the last year or so that have been out. And so that area there's a lot of competitive re- keywords just being, dumped on top of each other, where if you're one competitor or you're one brand, you've got maybe a dozen competitors in your area that you need to try and differentiate yourself from. So it's a lot of competitor and delivery focused stuff. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you can also change your targeting, right? So for delivery service, if you want to add in zip codes or you can draw a, you know, a fence around your, your area served, you know, Maybe a much uh, larger radius, typically too. Um, yeah. The the dispensary
1: ones are typically trying to find somebody who's actively looking to make a purchase, you know, within that area, and they're going to come in or or just do pickup. With the delivery, it's it's whatever your area is, we can target so that it matches pretty much identically to your delivery radius, so that you don't miss out on anybody just because of a, a few miles off on a radius targeting.
0: Yeah, and then um, you know, how would the keyword groups be different when you're? Yeah, Uh, advertising a cannabis brand? Um, The
1: biggest one, if you're a cannabis brand, you'd probably get into more product um, types or product names specifically. If you have, you know, a way you talk about your joints, that they're called something specific, or you have a way to do your terminology that you kind of own or have originated, it's a good way to get those terms out there. Um, the other one is a lot of brand terms, um, not only your own, you know, uh, that, that just define what you're doing, but also your competitors who are almost an exact match competitor. There's sometimes for a dispensary where you could put out competitors who are, you know, right across the street, but also the competitor who's a delivery service would be a competitor for a brand. you want to stick really tightly to, to what their product offering is and what your product offering is and how, who overlaps the most because then your your keywords are going to be the most beneficial and impactful against what Google's looking for to try and grab you some traffic. Product categories are good as well. Anything from the the flowers to uh, cartridges or vaporizers or whatever it might be, those always work well too. Um, Even even specific strain names do really well. If you have a a strain with your brand name on it, tossing those keywords together works uh, pretty high. Awesome. Awesome. Um, for you though, what type of brand awareness campaigns can we do, you know, outside of our typical search campaigns? So what, what do you see is successful for just kind of expanding a brand's, uh, exposure and kind of getting more of new, fresh eyes onto something that maybe didn't exist a few months ago?
0: Yeah. So for a brand and just really focusing on brand awareness, um, you know, it can do a display ad campaign within Google. So um, this is a great way to to really position your brand in like a lifestyle format. Uh, with the Google display ads you you have to be conservative you know on what you show. you can't show flour you can't show like you know someone smoking a joint and sure. um, you have to really like you can focus more on lifestyle really. yeah. and this, the great thing about this is that you'll get a ton of impressions and a ton of clicks and traffic uh, because this is you know this is uh, syndicated on, the Google app on your phone, right? On YouTube, on Gmail apps. Like it can actually show up there within the apps uh, advertising your cannabis brand. Uh, so it's a great way to to build your your funnel, right? So we can get, you know, since uh since this is more like a general general awareness play, we really want to to add new customers to our funnel so that we can retarget them. You know, with uh, with retargeting ads, whether through Google or through programmatic advertising, right? So we want to build up that pool of customers um, so that we can advertise advertise to them later. Because a lot of times, you know, with a lot of the Google Ads campaigns that are search based, like they're they have intent to purchase, they want to buy. It's it's um, yeah, the conversion should come in fairly quickly, like a day or two or within a few hours. But with this, it's really just making sure that you're top of mind, that uh, they're seeing your brand uh, associated with, a, you know, uh, one of the top five brands in the world, Google, right? So um, it's a great way for, for brands and retailers to, to get their to mass brand exposure and adoption. And, you know, for, um, you know, I'll just give you a sample of a campaign that you can run. You know, we could run a, um, let's say, delivery Delivery campaign. Let's say for pineapple, pineapple express in LA, we run we run a lifestyle campaign through through a display campaign. Get a ton of people to the website, build out that funnel, and then retarget them uh, to drive mobile app downloads. So if they have a, an iOS or Android app, you know we can get people in that funnel and then push them to to download the the app because that's where you know that's the KPI that our our partner wants to focus on. Definitely. That's pretty cool. Um, as far as, you know, how long does it take to launch a Google Google Ads campaign? Like what are the what's the time frame to like research, build, launch, get approved, and, and optimize a campaign?
1: Yeah. Um, research is, you know, a week or so, five, five, six days. It's it's a multi-step thing. And I we do try to take it over the course of a week. Um, Because a lot of the tools that we're using, they do fluctuate based on the day, right? So we want to see how a Monday looks versus you know, over the weekend performance, you want to see enough data to go, okay, the averages or the assumptions we're making are are going to hold true. It's not just a, a quick pulse check and then we were way off because, you know, Wednesdays are just kind of odd. Um, so that part takes about a week or so. And then we always send everything over to a client and say, hey, can you approve and, and go over this and make sure the, the copy looks okay. Um, if we're doing any website work, which is 50-50, you know, does this look like what you're looking for? Um, and just generally is this something that you're wanting to put your own brand behind, you know, before we're just you know spending your money on your behalf. Um, as far as launching, building and launching, the build there, you know, we've gotten a pretty good system in place. If we had everything approved and ready to go, we could build and get a campaign stood up in in a matter of hours, really, if you had to. Um, but the 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 real portion there that takes the longest is going to be the approval process. Um the the approval process with the ads. It, whether or not it goes through, you know, the first time or the second or third is kind of irrelevant. What we've seen recently is just that Google across the board is taking a day or two days to get an ad approved, whereas before it would be a minute or two or an hour or two at most. And so it's it's not anything that we can control, but it is just something to kind of keep in mind that, that Google is always kind of really the one setting the tone and pace for everything. Okay um but if there are kind of the disapprovals and everything like that you know we obviously have flags and notifications set up so we get right back in there and edit or change whatever they're doing and to their credit like google is good about pointing out hey this is the the copy line you can't say or this is the bit that we need you to change they don't just you know give you a blanket error and then make you kind of play guess what's going on they do a pretty good job of of driving you to where your error is and saying this is what we need you to fix and when you're done fixing it, go ahead and resubmit it and we'll get you running no problem. At the end of the day, you have to remember Google's you know main revenue is, is from Google Ads. I think 90% of the revenue comes from their ads. Yeah. So they don't want us out of their space. They just want us doing it in a way that basically is giving them enough you know, room to see CYA for themselves and say, yeah, we, we, we were okay. We, we, we kept everybody in line and we made sure policies were adhered to because they could easily just let people run what they wanted and have fines or penalties come, but they prefer to keep their entire network clean. So that's how that operates. The overall timeline though, if you were a brand new client from like signing paperwork to seeing an ad launched is typically two to three weeks, maybe four, somewhere in that range.
0: Okay. We had a question here from Michael, uh, Michael and Michelle Navarro. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you capture their information when you get them to your site with the display ad campaign? Uh, you know, one one way is going to be to to add the the Google Pixel right to to build up your retargeting pool, and then you can add the the Media Gel Pixel on there as well, so that we can build up our audiences through our platform and then you can retarget them with programmatic advertising. So there's two two ways that you can you can track it. Anything you want to add there, Nick?
1: Um, just that we do typically track pretty much every user that engages. It's just a matter of if we then remarket them explicitly and say like hey that was a person who maybe was on the site and didn't purchase so let's kind of remarket them with a the display campaign and say come back and get 10% off because we know your cart is still kind of waiting or is it a a, a more direct or, or a less direct like audience building, you know, uh, capture, right? So we're just saying, hey, these, these are the users who come to your site and this is generally how they behave on the internet. And then you can use that audience to, to help Google say, hey, go find more of these these type of users so that we can hopefully, in theory, keep the success, you know, going.
0: Then Miranda has a question here. Have you had any success with performance max campaigns?
1: Uh, yes, we have. We haven't done a ton of them yet. Uh, one of the big detractors for us in the space is that it, the performance max campaigns do require image and video assets. And so for our, our industry, it is hard to get a, a nice piece of display advertising done on Google media gel, we have a, a programmatic solution where we have our own network for display ads where we can do the pictures of flowers or somebody smoking a joint and the the imagery and the display ad is is much more what you would expect out of a typical display ad for google they do crawl images the same way they crawl keywords so the the deterrent there is if you have an image or a video of of anybody using a, any of the products or anything that's you know leaf related or looks close enough to a leaf shape that the hot leaf that they know and can and can pretty quickly find surprisingly um, they've found it in client's logos before um, it's it's always kind of catches us and so we haven't dove too much into performance max because we're trying to make sure that our client experiences are as seamless and high performing as possible so we are testing and we are slowly getting into that but we want to really make sure we've got our kind of standard book ironed out before we just start running too hard down that path but it's definitely the sh- that's the shift the shift that everybody's going to so we're we're definitely looking at it and getting there awesome awesome and then
0: as far as recommended monthly advertising budgets for a single store location like what would you suggest um
1: it doesn't it does depend a bit on the the market size you know if you're In a rural area, maybe you cap out at a handful of thousands, four to 6,000 range if you're in a big metro, you know anything LA, San Francisco, um, even some of the bigger regions up in Michigan now have pretty good volume you can spend upwards of of eight to 10,000 per location if you if you want to now. Do you, is that going to be fully for revenue driving stuff? Maybe that does cap out at, at five or 6,000 per location. And the other portion is going to be brand awareness. It kind of, that does vary as well on, on where you can find that kind of sweet spot of, of spend spent and revenue coming in. Um, and so then it's a matter of with the client, like what's the point of diminishing returns? Cause if you're at your peak, but you want to spend more for brand awareness, how, how willing are you to make the ROAS get a little worse to get brand awareness a little further um, for a multiple for a single guy? Yeah. I would say upwards of, of eight or 10 is, is doable. Um, our average is probably closer to the probably six range per location.
0: Okay. And what about, uh, you know, the differences in strategies, you know, running a, uh, a uh, Google ads campaign for a single store versus a, a multi-store location or you know, an MSO.
1: Um, you know, on our side, on like the Google ads side and in my kind of implementation side, not a ton of difference, maybe for more locations to target, more geos to target. Um, but what we really get to have the extra benefit and the uniqueness there is, is when you get to start working with the client Say, well, why is this location different? What are they better at? What are they worse at? Where do we need to support more? Why is this one different? So there's, there's times where you get to get really granular and maybe this location just sells a ton of flour. And so you start pushing keywords that are, are trying to, to do that, right? You're gonna catch more flower related keywords. And so that way people who are looking for that come to the right spot. Um, the overall strategy doesn't change a ton you would still try and be pretty separate if your budgets to say, hey, this budget for this store needs to be hit and this budget for this store needs to be hit. And those are individuals. Um, but together, maybe you run like a, a more blanket or a wider net campaign that is your brand campaign that covers all the locations because you're not as concerned about the the revenue with that. So your brand awareness campaigns are where you see the biggest shift because those can be more um, you know wide scale or blanket in their coverage and get a little more Bing for your buck because the broader your targeting is on that, the in theory the cheaper your bid is because there's just there's cheaper bids in the market that you can be found. So, uh, doing something like that with your brand campaign is a good way to get less expensive brand awareness clicks.
0: And I know we've been focusing primarily on Google Ads today, but have you seen success with Bing Ads? And you know, how is that audience different from Google Ads?
1: Um, we have seen success. Um, within Bing and Microsoft ads, the audience is different, not a ton up front. It may be skewed slightly older. Um, and the only real reason for that is because most of Bing's, uh, or you know, I guess Bing's search engine traffic comes from like it being the default browser on on devices. And so a lot of that comes from work devices where people don't have the access to change what their default browser is, or it comes from users who are just not, caring enough to change what their default browser is. So they kind of go from Google to Yahoo or Bing just based off like a default setting. Um, so there's not a ton of difference in their their need or necessity, but maybe in their tech savviness or their overall age demos, it changes a bit. And so we do, we do keep that in mind. Um, so we kind of try and only target um, to areas that are a little more uh, highly, highly dense highly dense as far as population goes. Uh, so the Bing and Google stuff does work better to um, to be a, a, a metro, I guess, a bigger city metro because the the population is just heavier there. You know, when you look up any of the stats, you'll pretty easily see that Google is eighty five to ninety percent of search results, depending on where you're looking. So that means Bing's only making up eight to ten percent of that overall volume. So doing it in a more centrally like a more populous city is just always going to be a better play but we do have success on there um we can spend not quite as much on google because again that's you know 10 or 15 percent of the volume overall but it's a good um it's a good way to maybe increase your spend if you're looking to overall push your budget up but google is kind of hitting that point of, of diminishing returns you can you can find another outlet for spend or it's just a good way to to kind of play like an A, B test. Okay, if we have Google doing this and we have Bing doing this, do we change, you get a little more variability, maybe you change the destination of where you're sending them, right? Do you see what's going on? So there's some good ways to be uh, using and utilizing Bing and Microsoft ads, but I wouldn't say it to the point where it's, uh, you know, its own thing yet. Um, for Great. you, Guillermo, what factors like outside of our our control impact conversion rate and performance? So obviously there's there's a ton that we can control. We've got platforms and data all, all day to pull levers against, but what are the things that at certain points are just kind of out of, of our control?
0: Uh, I would say first thing is product catalog. So you know, if you don't have an extensive product catalog that can really compete in your market, then that's going to be a, a factor in conversion rate. Uh, pricing is another one. Uh, So if it's not price um, to match kind of what's the the standard in your local area, uh, then that's also going to impact your conversion rate. Uh, You know, if if you can't offer like incentives or deals, um, that'll drive down your conversion rate a little bit as well. Uh, And we're aware that, you know, you can't offer incentives in every state, right? So um, there may be opportunities there to join like a loyalty program or like a VIP program, uh, where you'll get access to like product drops or mm. specific strains, you know, cookies and is notorious for doing that, uh, supreme kind of mainstream. Um, so, you know, working around compliance uh, within those states. Uh, customer service is another one. So, if you, you know, if uh, a customer has experience with your brand and they, you know, they know that when they pick up their product uh, for curbside pickup, it's not going to be ready. You know, Maybe they see your ad and they're not going to come back to you again. Uh, or if your deliveries are you know, not within the, the time range they inspected, then there's another deterrent, right?
1: What about uh, like
0: website
1: usability and functionality? Does that impact quite a bit there, I would guess?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the rule of thumb is you should always have a call to action above the fold. So if you're on your phone, you know, you want to make sure that there's a button here that either like a or, order now or call now or get directions. Those can be your KPIs should be on the first screen of your phone without having to scroll up. Right. right? So have it clear right there make it, uh, you know, make it as easy as possible. So if someone, uh, you know, is having a smoke session and, you know, they ran out of cannabis and they're high as a kite, but they want to order. So they want to order food delivery and uh, weed delivery. Then Boom! Like it should be able to do that within a few, few, few clicks. Make it really easy
1: for people. That's probably a good aspect that a lot of, um, I mean, maybe in our industry more so, but I bet a lot of other people don't consider is is maybe the the state that the people who are ordering are going to be in. Because if you are uh, looking to purchase and you are a consumer, you might want to make sure you're you're kind of uh, dumbing down the process to make sure it's simple and, and streamlined. Because you don't want to lose people on on side projects. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And what
0: about running ads for like B2B companies like MediaGel?
1: Oh, we do it. Um, the one hard part there is gonna be spend. Uh, everything else stays about the same. So, you know, our performance and our, our click-through rates and our, our like, lead generation all has really nice success. The, the really big, uh, I guess, like limit or ceiling there is the search volume. You know, how many B2B terms, can we do that that target the right people who are decision makers who work in the cannabis space? Who you know? How can we make sure we check as many of those boxes before we're serving an ad to them? That's our biggest kind of question mark, right? For the the non for the B to C, it's it's does this person want to purchase marijuana in some way, shape, or form? Okay, yeah. we can solve that pretty easily. For uh, the other one though, does this person You know, are they a decision maker, manager level, director level or above at a dispensary or a brand, right? Do they have advertising budget? Are they in a state, you know, with licensing that allows it? Are they in a state? Are they in multiple states with multiple licenses that maybe some do and some don't? So we definitely do it and we have success uh, post-click. The biggest hurdle there is working with the client to figure out what they're offering so that we can make sure we have enough keywords in there to actually get the volume driving to their sites.
0: And, you know, as far as kicking off a campaign, like how, how, you know, would our audience get started? Oh, well, I mean, they would just contact us in
1: some way and say, Hey, we're curious and running Google ads. Um, The the best way to do that is to just come to us and say, here's where we are. Here's who we are as a brand. um, And what can you do to help us? You, You can do it yourself. I, this isn't something that, and I've had this conversation with colleagues and my wife, Google puts all the information, they have a whole school out there for how to run Google ads and you come take my job. It's not something that has a high barrier of entry. The, the real issue though is, um, you know, how expensive is this gonna get before you optimize against it? How much money will you waste? Because some of these clicks, like we try and cap our cost per click, two to $3. Some markets are competitive. You'll see a $4 click. If we wanted, you could find $40 clicks. So how do you make sure that you're doing this in a way that's gonna yield results and and be appropriate. And honestly, the best way to do that is to call you and say, hey, I need help with this because I don't wanna waste the budget we have, right?
0: Yeah, Uh, we got a question here from Miranda. How many clients do your account execs typically manage? I don't know, Nick, how many many do you manage, Nick? (laughs) Uh,
1: I think our average right now for the team is about 12 to 14 a piece.
0: Okay. Yeah, obviously it depends on spend, right?
1: Um, say what? Yeah. So obviously it depends on spend. It depends on spend. It depends on um, the mix of, of the geos that everybody's in and what the overall, you know, spend plus locations, because one factor is spend, but another is how many individual locations are there. So if you're an MSO, you're going to take up as many, you know, if you have six or eight locations, that is almost six or eight times the amount of work as a single operator. So it really just kind of depends. Um, on what we've got there, but we've we've got a plenty of clients running, and it's it seems to be something that we've found repeatable success with. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Any I'm kind of leave it open here for the last five minutes. Any more questions that our attendees would like to ask uh, before we uh, log off today? And you know, thank you, Nick, once again for sharing all your insights. We really you know really dove in deep today into Google Ads and and all the capabilities, and you know it's you know, just want to reassure everyone that you can, you know, you can run paid advertising, you know, the, the cannabis marketing ecosystem is, is there, right? You can, yeah, you can advertise in marketplaces like Weedmaps and Leafly, you can advertise on search engines like Google on organic or paid, you can advertise on publishers through, you know, publishers, uh, t- connected TV, you can do, um, podcast um and audio advertising you can do game like advertising on game so there's a lot of options out there and i just want to make sure that everyone knows that there there's a lot of resources out there and that's really you know been one of our missions you know at media gels we want to democratize the whole process yeah. and uh ensure that cannabis you know brands cannabis retailers delivery services ancillary businesses all have a shot at winning some business right it's getting that opportunity and uh in you know, growing their business. And I know right now it's a lot of uncertainty in the market, right? In the economy. So you really have to be laser focused uh, and precise uh, with your spend. So, you know, we're here to support and, and help you on that journey.
1: Yeah. And that would be the the big thing there is that laser focus and preciseness. Um, this, you know, industry is pretty, pretty tight with their dollars because they're hard to come by. And we know how, tricky it is on the back end with banking and spend and what you can write off. So making sure that when you, you do these type of ads that you've got a partner like MediaGel to make sure you don't maybe waste or misspend things at the beginning while you optimize, we've already got all that work done. We know where to kind of build these things and how to do them. So there's no reason to think it's, it's scary or unobtainable. Google does try and, and Bing is the same way they try and maybe more aggressively say you can't do it, but that's more for them because they want to keep the bad players out. And unfortunately, there are bad players in here who are getting disapproved and suspended at a rate that would probably alarm most of us. Uh, We haven't had any of that since I've been here in the last year plus, and I don't recall hearing of any of that prior to it. It's not something that we, we do because we don't do this in an egregious, reckless manner. We know what the rules are within Google. And the reason we're good at this is because the team we've got behind me that's supporting what I do and helping the, the paid search team out, we're all highly versed in that, that, that rule book. And so you can't play the game according to how you want to play unless you're playing by the rules. And then it's just a matter of which rules make more sense and which ones you know, do we need to kind of look at twice to figure out what that really means.
0: Yeah. And we have one more question from Alan. Uh, Any stats on the ratio between mobile and desktop?
1: Not off the top of my head. I know we do skew mostly for mobile um, and we do have most of our conversions come out of mobile. I couldn't give you an exact ratio, but I do think it's pretty close to four to one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, I mean, just in general for all traffic to, to like retailers, websites, it's 80% plus mobile. I mean, I've seen it change over the last 10 years and it's, you know, mobile takes number one by far, and then tablets are also have a solid chunk in there as well. And, uh, and then desktop is last. You know, a great place to look for that is within your Google Analytics platform. You know, you can see the device type and you can see the breakup of uh, you know, mobile versus desktop. Yep. Yeah. Any other questions before we uh, log off today? Give you a few more minutes here. Anything you want to add, Nick? Any uh, anything you want to share before we uh, log off here? <laughs> just that
1: you know, this is this is an enjoyable. Gel is an enjoyable company to be a part of, and and with that, we we pass that on to our clients. Like it's a fun environment. It's it's hard work. And it's a lot of work. We we're, we're here kind of grinding quite a bit but we're in the cannabis industry. We're, we're growing these new markets. We're going to places and doing things where people haven't gotten to do it before. So there's just this excitement level. That's it's energizing and it's fun. And yeah, it's a little risky or a little, you know, nerve wracking sometimes. And that's, that's just the cannabis industry, being in a place where we can have fun with it and, and be able to kind of be creative and figure out what does and doesn't work and, and have a little freedom there is, is what makes it impactful. So bringing a, a new client in here to that fold just, you know, bolsters what we're doing and, and makes everything that much more unique and, and energizing.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you, uh, Nick. Thank you, uh, Michael, Alan uh, for joining everyone else from our audi- audience uh, on social media and beyond. Uh, you know, once again, you can reach us at media You know, we are bridging that gap uh, and allowing cannabis brands and retailers to reach consumers in a compliant fashion. And uh, that's our bread and butter. And we're happy to support you in any way that you you need our help. Mm -hmm. Uh, See you later. (laughs) Thank you, everybody.